Trinity Church, Todd Arnett here, lead pastor. Just want to welcome you, and here we are. We were anticipating some of these realities taking shape, and um, here we are on this Sunday morning, March the 22nd. I just want to welcome you watching online, uh, which is everybody today. I know that when I have some moments of comedic genius, I'm going to pause to be able to let you laugh, and then I'll come back to it again. But we're really glad to be with you today in this portal and grateful for technology. Thank you for being on our website and then maybe later on on our YouTube page. We want to stay connected. We're going to work hard at that. And we've got some great strategies as a staff team. So stay tuned and we'll keep getting word out to you. But today we begin a brand new series in the book of 1 Peter. If you have a Bible today, book Bible, electronic Bible, whatever you have, uh, go ahead and make your way there. 1 Peter's towards the back of your Bible and deep in the New Testament. And here's the help. comes right before 2 Peter. You're welcome pausing for laughter. There you go. Um, as we do that today, I want to begin, and I'm going to do this weekly with what I would just call some yay God moments. We had a couple really neat things already in this week happen as we shared with you that we were going to begin to um, get in touch with our senior adults. They were told last Sunday that they needed to self-isolate before the rest of us did. So we began every senior adult on our roster. We were making phone calls as a staff to find out how are you doing? Is there something we can do to be helpful? Just assessing the needs. Before the word even got out about us doing that, I was personally so encouraged to hear multiple people from Trinity Church calling in and saying, hey, if you begin to mobilize people to help our senior adults, count me in. And that just so encouraged my heart. I just want you to know that. And it's been also neat, too, for me to hear through different channels the ways that you are taking seriously, ways you can be creatively helpful to your neighbors, to other coworkers, family members, and just the way that you're doing that already just has me excited. And I can't wait to hear more of the stories of how God's going to use you in such amazing ways. I do have one just quick announcement by way of things in the midst of all of our kind of chaos. I wanted you to know that our good friend Sherry Skubik has uh, accepted the position of our Trinity Women's Ministries Director. We have been on the hunt for that role for about 11 months and are excited to finally have vetted that process, vetted her, come to the end of that place. And it was over a week ago that we uh, extended that offer to her. So we're really excited. We'll let you know more. She has been uh, such a great leader and loves so well in these last 25 years here at Trinity. And we are already excited, even though she's joined our staff at such a tumultuous time, she's already stepped in in those ways already with grace and excited to see how she's going to minister, especially to the women of Trinity. So we'll let you know more. I just wanted to make you aware of that. I want you to look around on the page that you're on and even find some of the resources that we'll be engaging now weekly for however long this season is. If you look at the different buttons right below the screen, you're going to see things like how to give online. Many of you give that way already and just want you to know one of the things I thought was such a great statement this week. When you just realize that when you give to Trinity, you don't just give to Trinity, you give through Trinity meaning this is the portal of how we continue to support our global workers and how we're doing already what we're doing in the community and even what we look forward to continue to join community efforts in this season. So just know that's a really important idea and we can't wait to see more ways that we can be a people of compassion and investment here locally. 
Another button on your screen is how to send in prayer requests. Our staff is going to consistently continue to pray for you and the people in your world. So you'll see there's a link there to an email. Send that prayer request in and let us be praying for you and the people in your world this week. You'll also note there's a place where you can engage all of our sermon library. I mentioned last week this series on that we called Still last January and February. I just think would be so timely for you to give some thought to and be re-watching some of those messages. And then also there's a button there for notes for today. What we're going to do is weekly, we'll be uploading notes that will um, be coming in um, that won't have any of the blanks filled in. So you can go ahead and do that. Um, sorry, this is the beauty of technology, uh, getting phone calls while I'm preaching. So, um, but within that, you can um, go ahead and fill in the blanks digitally, print a copy off, write them in, but we just want you to be able to track with us, and that's going to be available that way as well. Well, what we're calling this series in the book of First Peter is A People Prepared. And I just love the title of it. I think it's so fitting. That's what we have been doing every week when we get together, all of our different ministries. How can we better equip you to be a person who is rooted in Jesus as you're reaching your world? And what a timely mission to be involved in that way. I love even our tagline. I think it's significant. Deploying God's people into fearful lives. Just think about that for a minute. We, that is exactly who we are. We are the people of God, and that's what this book we'll find out today. First Peter was written to a group of people who were dealing with a lot of different types of suffering and how in that, as the people of God, they were called to go out into the lives of people that were in their communities as they were scattered all abroad. And that's really what we want you thinking of. What are the different ways that you have contact with people who are fearful. But we want to encourage you as well. And I love that. That's what the word encourage means, to give courage. We want to give you courage moving forward. And I really believe you have been prepared for such a time as this. And now is the time to be deployed into the people in your life, in your world, and to love them, to pray with them, to be able to share with them, to minister to them, to serve them. This is the time. And so I want to encourage you. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus in uh, your world. And the reality is this, is our hope is tethered to a Savior we're going to look at today who is not of this world. He is absolutely alive. And so the people in your life who don't have their hope now tethered to anything beyond themselves, man, what a great opportunity to be a people of that kind of Jesus influence. So today we begin in the book of First Peter. We're going to find very quickly <clears throat> the audience that he's writing to as well as his purpose. So we're going to dive in. Here's our now what statement. We're going to continue to do that. What do I do with this uh, part of scripture this week? And this is what we're saying. It's in your notes, uh, not on the screens. Be obedient to Jesus now as you live in light of his living hope and your eternal inheritance. I love that. Be obedient to Jesus now, the very next step, next good decision, as you live in light of his living hope and your eternal inheritance. Number one in your notes, God uses nobodies for his kingdom purposes. God uses nobodies for his great kingdom purposes. Here we begin, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I want to either introduce you to or remind you of this guy named Peter. He's found in the Bible, known as Peter, as Simon, and as Cephas. 
And uh, what these all refer to is a man that we find we first get introduced to in the Gospels, who was a Galilean fisherman, whose brother Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, the baptizer, who introduced Peter to Jesus. Come and see Messiah is actually here. And even though we realized that God was going to use Peter in some amazing ways, even to write this authoritative word of God that we'll be looking at, as well as to be one of the few that God was using to literally turn the world on its head when the early church began to just grow and blossom, it's important that you see that he was lived in what we'd say was a despised area and had a simple trade. And that's going to be important as we look into it, because according to the world's perspective, he was a nobody. But I want you to note today that God has always been looking for nobodies. If you're sitting there today and wondering, I don't know what God would ever want to do with me. I'm just a simple person and we're in very interesting times. Man, now is the time because God has always been on that pursuit. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul writing to the church. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, and even the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, you who, ha who has become for us, um, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And I love this, how it finishes. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And that's exactly what Peter would do for the rest of his life after he followed Jesus for those three plus years that later on he would indeed make his boast in who Jesus was. And I, that being said, I want to rehearse some of the highlights and even a lot of the lowlights of what we know of Peter in the Gospels and from the book of Acts. In Matthew 16, we know that Peter was the disciple who confessed Jesus not merely as a good teacher, but as the Messiah. But literally just a few verses later, Peter was also the disciple whom Jesus rebuked shortly afterward for suggesting he not go to Jerusalem and die. He even said, get behind me, Satan, to the guy who just said previously, you are the son of the living God. Peter is one of the disciples who was invited by Jesus up to this mount where he was transfigured before them in Matthew 17. But we realize just a few verses later, Peter was also the disciple who wanted to build shelters there for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And God the Father shut that down very quickly. Peter was a disciple who asked Jesus if he could come out and walk on the water with him. And he did from Matthew 14. But Peter was also the disciple who then began to sink into the waves when he realized I'm walking on water. And again, just a few verses later in that account. I just want to ask, are you seeing a pattern here? Peter was a disciple who pledged to stick with Jesus no matter what everyone else did and all the way to death from Matthew 26. But Peter was also the disciple who three times denied he even knew who Jesus was in Jesus' greatest hour of need. Peter encountered the risen Jesus and was personally restored by him in John chapter 21 to serve and love God's people. But in the very same conversation, he worried, but what about John? And uh, couldn't just kind of figure out what it meant for him to follow. 
In the early chapters of the book of Acts, we see amazing courage and leadership. And it was even one of the first ones that Jesus revealed to his worldwide mission of the gospel that went to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. But Peter was also the one that Paul had to call out publicly because he was choosing to favor Jewish Christians when leaders over the Gentile Christians when leaders from Jerusalem came to visit. We know that from Galatians chapter 2. I could give you a lot more, but there's plenty here to see that Peter is an interesting example of what we struggle with. Great moments of faithfulness and obedience to God, followed by equally failed opportunities to live out what we know. So I want you to see from the beginning today in your notes, Peter's life resembles yours in lots of ways. And if God could use Peter powerfully and so helpfully for this book that we're going to be looking at, then you know that he wants to use you. He wants to use you in spite of all your swings and misses, knowing that your failures are never final, but an opportunity to see God's mercy and forgiveness and restoration continue in your life. Let's keep reading. Number two in your notes. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit all have a role in your salvation. We're looking again in James, or I'm sorry, in 1 Peter 1, verse 1. He writes this, to God's elect his exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is Paul's or Peter's initial greeting, and what we know of this book now is we know it was written by Peter. We know it was probably, we'll see later on at the end of the book, probably written from Rome and likely between the years of 62 and 64 AD, shortly <coughs> excuse me, before Nero began to heavily persecute the church. Even though the church was already experiencing some degrees of suffering, the worst was yet to come. As we look at these regions that Peter is noting, these were not cities, but think of them as small states. And it's basically what we would call modern day Turkey today. If you see these areas on a map, it would be most of what we know as modern day Turkey. As to the letter's audience and purpose, there's a great summary thought from a commentator, uh, Edwin Blum. This is what he said. The tone of First Peter is a warm pastoral one, full of encouragement. The exhortations are addressed to Christians who are scattered over a wide area. They share a common faith with Christians everywhere and face common problems. Their basic problem is to live for God in the midst of a society ignorant of the true God. Peter's pastoral purpose is to help these early believers see their temporary sufferings, watch this, in the full light of the coming eternal glory. I mean, that is so well said, and I think you can relate on a lot of points within that. First off, Peter identifies his audience as God's elect uh, exiles that are scattered. The idea of election shows up all throughout the Bible, Old and New Testaments, and it's always meant to be a source of encouragement for those who are being named as such. He goes on to mention that these are scattered exiles. The word exile is translated from a Greek word, and listen to this meaning. It's powerful. This is in your notes. It means literally someone passing through, but still with personal relationship with the people in that locale. Let me read that again someone passing through, but still with personal relationship with the people in that locale. 
So from what we know of scripture and other places in scripture, man, this is about as dialed in, as on point as any description of what it means for Jesus's followers to be in the world, but not of the world. It's a, it's a really great definition. The word scattered is also from a Greek word that means to sow or to scatter seed. So think of the parable of the sower and the seed. That's that idea of people that are literally scattered in different regions. And I think it's actually a wonderful play on words that Peter's using because he's talking about readers that are exiled. So they're not in their home. But not only are they exiled, they're scattered abroad. And so that idea of being um, not only away from their home, but not even necessarily close to one another. And some of you are sensing that connection to your current status right now as you're watching this message from your computer or your TV screen, exiled to your home and even separated from one another. So again, I want you to see the relatability of First Peter, of who this book was originally, this letter was originally written to, <clears throat> and how you can relate in this season that we're in. And then I briefly want you to see that Peter uh, not only mentions the three persons of the Godhead, but also identifies their various roles that they play in the believer's salvation. It says that you were chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father, that is accomplished through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, in order to be obedient to Jesus Christ, what, and sprinkled with his blood. In other words, and this is in your notes, you've been chosen by the Father, purchased by the Son, and set apart by the Spirit. Simple way to remember, you've been chosen by the Father, purchased by the Son, and set apart by the Spirit. Now, we'll identify more in time of what those different ideas mean that we'll see fleshed out here in the book of 1 Peter. But for now, just know that those are great handles to think of, the various ways that the triune Godhead relate to your um, coming to in, into salvation. Paul communicated it very similarly to the Thessalonian churches, or church. This is what he said from Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. He writes, but we ought also to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. Why? Because God chose you, so here's the Father, as first fruits, what? To be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, same language, and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, another passage where all three members of the triune Godhead are not only mentioned, but demonstrating what their roles are within your salvation. And the last thought of this initial greeting, grace and peace be yours in abundance. I know that you're in need of those two commodities right now, grace and peace. And so see again that God had you in mind when Peter was penning these words uh, 2,000 years ago. Finally today, number three in your notes, a living hope will result in an eternal inheritance for those who have faith. A living hope will result in an eternal inheritance for those who have faith. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See the exclamation point. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
These are great words, great words, erupting with praise for the Father right out of the gates. And we see out of the Father's rich mercy, he's given us rebirth, regeneration into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Man, it's exciting that the song that you engaged in just before this message today is this great song, Our Living Hope. And that really stems from this verse. It's pretty obvious. And it praises God not only for what he's done through the resurrection of the Savior, but what it means for us to have a resurrected Savior. Because he's conquered death, and is alive, so is our hope, because our hope is tethered to Jesus, because he's alive, therefore our hope is alive as well. It's founded in and anchored into the Son of God, who lives forevermore. And what great news, what a great way to start this letter. Look in your notes. That's why it's so important in this season to not lose sight that our hope is tethered to Jesus, who conquered the enemy that we fear the most. We read that from the book of Hebrews recently, fear or death itself. That's why it's important in this season to not lose sight that our hope is tethered to Jesus, who conquered the enemy that we fear most, death itself. And the reality is that we don't hope, like we often use that word, we don't hope that Jesus is going to raise again and be victorious over our foe. We believe he did. We have confidence in that, and as a result, we have now a biblical hope that is better defined as a secure confidence in what God has promised. So when we see this word hope in the New Testament, we're not saying, oh, maybe if. We're saying, no, this is what it is. It's better defined as a secure confidence in what God has promised. So I'd say today, be encouraged or have courage in this season in the one in whom you placed your hope because he's already won. He's already accomplished it, and what you needed most, he defeated, and that's exciting to think about as we move forward, that there is nothing that can creep into your life that you would fear more than death, and Jesus has defeated that. One of our core values at Trinity Church is this idea of what we believe about the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is God's story given to transform you and to be the authority of your life. And that's what's so powerful. God's word's given to transform you, to be able to change fear into confidence, fear into faith. And so that's what we are hoping and trusting for you, that we'd be able to look into that and see what God's word is gonna cultivate in all of our lives. That's why it's so important what we said last week is that it's important to have a sympathy for those around us those in your relational world that you might not be able to see face-to-face what you can contact via social media, your phone, through the computer, whatever it may be, because that group of people who still have not put their hope in Jesus yet, they have an earthbound hope that has been rocked over the last couple of weeks. And so the idea is, is if their hope was in the government being able to ensure public health, man, they're, they're concerned. If their hope is in the stock market being something that would provide economic security, that's not true. If their hope is in a healthcare system being able to amply care for everyone despite the best efforts that they're exerting right now, if their hope is in their own personal health not being affected, man, in the coming days and weeks, that might change drastically. So the reality is, is that our hope is fixed in something outside of us, outside of our world. And as a result, we want to be sympathetic to those who don't have hope there. And we want to be a people of influence that can share with them where real hope can be found. I got a great email this week from my friend, Doug Dupree. 
And what I appreciated in Doug's email is he said, Todd, you know, a while back, I've had some health concerns in my life and I had to come to grips with the fact that I'm not in control and that I don't know what the course of my life is going to be like. And, and really just shared a great testimony about how he had anchored his hope in the eternal living Jesus but what we talked about last week, he said, was really helpful for him on that note of the people in his community, even in his cul-de-sac, who have not yet put their hope in Jesus, how, how truly unsettling and truly troubling this is for them. And was really just even telling me, Todd, pray for me, pray for Lynn Ray and I, as we think about how we can be a people of influence in our neighborhood with people who really are deeply concerned. And I love the heart behind that. And I would just say to you, this isn't a time to hoard Jesus. It said it's a time to share him. It's a time to share him with those who we'll see later, like later in this book, uh, yet still don't have the hope that you do. And so I want to encourage you that. And when you do, when the people in your life are open to want to know more about the reason that you have this hope, right? We saw that First Peter 3, when they ask you about the hope that you have, don't be afraid to tell them. Every week we finish the service like we will today with praying through the ABCs, admit, believe, choose. Man, you have tools where you can lead your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people in your relational world. You can lead them to Jesus in the gospel by that response. So I want to encourage you, be prepared for that. And I told you before, I can't wait to hear the stories of the way that God is going to be using you in people's lives. I want you to see the way that commentary writer Warren Wearsby put it regarding what our living hope should look like. He says this confident hope gives us the encouragement and the enablement we need for daily living. It does not put us in a rocking chair when we complacently, where we complacently await the return of Jesus Christ. Instead, it puts us in the marketplace, on the battlefield, where we keep on going when the burdens are heavy and the battles are hard. Hope is not a sedative. Oh, how good. It's a shot of adrenaline, a blood transfusion. Like an anchor, our hope in Christ stabilizes us in the storms of life, which is so much what we're going through right now. And that's a reference to Hebrews chapter six. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. But he writes this, but unlike an anchor, our hope moves us forward. It does not hold us back. Oh, what timely words, so well stated. When we see what this hope is going to ultimately be realized in is your inheritance found in heaven where it can never perish, spoil, or fade. Look at those three powerful descriptors of what heaven will not entail, what won't be true of heaven, and see them from greater to lesser in magnitude. Perish, we know that there's no death in heaven, so there's no concern that our inheritance will ever fall away. Spoil. Not only will we and the things around us not die, but they won't spoil. They won't become worn out and useless, uh, a poorer version of themselves. And even this word fade, not only will we and the things around us not spoil, not perish, but they won't diminish in their goodness or splendor either. So think of this thought for just a moment as new and vibrant as the beginning of eternity is, so it will be all throughout. That's that's amazing and powerful. All these things that God is doing for you, I want you to see there is one contribution on your part that's noted in this passage, through faith. 
You see, all of these things, the Father's election of us, Jesus' sinless sacrifice and supernatural resurrection, the Spirit setting us apart as his own, rebirth into God's family and being the heir of all that is God's, all things that are being done for you by God. And it's faith, though. And I love it from Hebrews 11.1. It's that confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's faith that is our response, not just in our initial conversion, but it's our daily response all throughout our salvation of what is yet to come and yet will be revealed uh, in the last time. That was that phrase of what we saw today. So I want you to see what faith that reliance that God produces in us, that we are being shielded by God's power. So those are the words right after, through faith, you are shielded by God's power until the time when our faith becomes sight. That Greek word there for shielded is, uh, is, means this, to actively display whatever defensive and offensive means are necessary to guard. Listen to that again. This is what God is doing, shielding you through your faith to actively display whatever defensive and offensive means are necessary to guard. He's guarding you. That's so good to know. That's what God is doing for you as you put your confidence in him. So as we wrap it up today for this Sunday, March the 22nd, that's what we need to be about this week, putting our confidence in him and in our now what statement, being obedient to Jesus now as you live in light of his living hope and your eternal inheritance. I'm gonna go ahead and pray, and one thing I want you to be mindful of every week in this season, I'm not just gonna pray for us, not just gonna pray for you, I'm gonna pray for people globally that we are continuing to support because this reality is happening and changing lives all over the world. So let's finish our time today in prayer. Father God, we come before you as a people who are exiles who are scattered. It couldn't be more real of what we're experiencing right now. This place is not our home. Heaven is. But yet we are here for the time being. We are indeed passing through, but we have a relational connection to the people that we're among. Just like that definition of the word exile means. And we're scattered right now. We're in our own homes, watching on computer screens, watching through the television, watching on a phone, whatever it may be. And God, in this time, would we be a people who can relate to what Peter's audience was when he wrote this letter? Would we be a people who are overjoyed by the living hope that we have in Jesus? And this living hope that's going to be translated one day into a real inheritance that will never perish, never spoil, never fade. Father, we have great praise to you today. And so I want to pray for my brothers and sisters this week. Would we continue to be a people rooted in Jesus, reaching our worlds? Give us courage to be those kinds of hands and feet of Jesus in our lives. And and I want to pray for you today. If you're here, And you would say, Todd, I really, I don't have this hope. I don't have this assurance. I don't have this confidence in Jesus because I've never really responded to him. I know about him and I might be religious. I don't have a relationship with God yet. And I want to tell you, you can do something about that right here, right now, right through the computer screen, right through your phone, right through your television, A, admit. Admit that as God created all things good and perfect, it was our ancestors, your ancestor, who chose to go against God's design. And as a result, you and I were born with a sinful nature that's been demonstrated time and time again with sinful behavior. Admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior. 
be believe. Believe that this Jesus that we've talked about who did live a sinless life, who died a sacrificial death, he did those things for you. Believe that Jesus is the only Savior available. See is choose. Choose to put your faith, your hope, your confidence, not in yourself, not in these other things that you've been attaching them to previous to now. Hook your confidence into Jesus and be, be absolutely assured that where he is and where your confidence is there, nothing can take that away from you. That is your future. So Father, this week, would we be this people? I think of Rick and Kathy Hicks, some of our global workers who work with Operation Mobilization. They have been on the front edge of a lot of different things that they are trying to figure out, working with a lot of college students usually that do summer internships. All of this has been put in flux. I pray for them. I pray for the ministries they represent. Would you give them this week great confidence and great peace because of who you are? We love you. Thank you so much for the transforming, encouraging word of God that we have to keep going to. Would your spirit continue to do a work in us this week? We love you and we pray in the great name of Jesus.